Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. This is Andrew Cook. I'm delighted to be in your company again. Christian Basics, we come to the last in the series. More than any other death since the beginning of time, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary outside Jerusalem has affected the whole of history. Millions and millions of people have had their lives utterly transformed as they've been brought to realise Christ has died for their sins. That through trusting in him and the shedding of his precious blood, God has provided the means whereby every single wrong they've been guilty of and every good they've failed to do is forgiven. That their lives, which were empty and void of meaning, have now been given purpose and significance because through Christ they've come to know God and enjoy him and his love. All of this and much more underlines the fact that more than any other death, the death of Christ has been the most significant of all. And we saw last time, here on Serving Today, how the Lord Jesus Christ in his wisdom and kindness has left us with a means that simply, yet profoundly, serves as a regular reminder of all he's done for us through his death. And I'm referring, of course, to the Lord's Supper. That simple meal where bread is broken as a symbol of Christ's broken body and wine is drunk as a symbol of his blood that was shed for the remission of sins. It is indeed a most precious ordinance in the life of any church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in our previous programme we concentrated on how the Lord's Supper speaks so clearly of Christ. But there's another aspect of the Lord's Supper which is also very precious and yet which is ever so easy to forget. I mean by that our relationship to other believers. The reason why we neglect this aspect of the Lord's Supper is because we naturally concentrate on what the Lord Jesus has done for us as individuals when we eat the bread and drink the wine. And we can at times be totally overwhelmed by his love for us, and this is not wrong, of course. But the Bible also gives us teaching about this other important aspect of the Lord's Supper. Today, as we conclude our Christian Basic series with Dr John Hall, Derek French has asked John to tell us how the Lord's Supper should influence our relationship to other believers who are sharing in the Supper with us. It's true that sometimes we concentrate entirely on our personal relationship with the Lord at the Lord's Supper. And it's right we should concentrate on our individual relationship, but we should not also neglect the communal aspect because that communal aspect is stressed in Scripture. For instance, in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, this Lord's Supper is celebrated together as a church. He says, when you come together as a church, it's not done privately. It's a church event. It's an activity of the whole community. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 10, there is one loaf and one cup, and he gives the reason for that. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 17, Paul writes, there's just one loaf and one cup. Because there is one loaf, We who are many, many individuals, are one body, for we all partake or share in the one loaf. 
You see, the communion, the Lord's Supper, emphasises the oneness of believers. It's emphasising our unity together as part of Christ's body, the Church. So in the Lord's Supper, there are both vertical and horizontal relationships emphasised. Let me explain what I mean by that. The vertical relationship is that we remember individually and together our relationship with the crucified and risen Saviour Jesus, who is coming again. And on the horizontal level, we remember that we are in fellowship and union with our fellow believers with whom we share the supper. It's a very important aspect, I think, which mm. is often forgotten, isn't mm. it? You know, Because we're too mystical in our approach to we uh, are, remembering we? Yeah. Christ. And shut it, our eyes and shut out everybody else. Yes. It's very difficult at times because you, yes. you know, you, you, the reality of the Lord's goodness to you is, mm. does fill your heart. And when you must rejoice because he's been good to others in the same way. Well, and given you a large family. If you don't yeah, have a yeah. family, when you come to the Lord's Supper, you're with your brothers and sisters. Yeah. So it says in the Psalms that he sets the lonely in families. And the Lord's Supper is the time to remember that. Mm, yeah. And to derive the benefits from having lots and lots of loving brothers and sisters. Mm. I find great joy in that. Yes, yeah, tremendous, mm. isn't it, really? Mm. Yeah, foretaste of the... Heaven to come. Indeed, that's right, <laughs> exactly, yes. John, when we examine the New Testament, where does it teach us that the Lord's Supper is to be held? Obviously, the very first one was in the upper room in Jerusalem, mm. as recorded in the Gospels. That was unique. We can't mm. return to mm. that room. Mm. But where did believers celebrate this supper after the Lord had risen? Well, we read after Pentecost, Derek, that they broke bread together in their homes. But as the church was more organised, local churches met together to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And in Corinthians, when the Lord's Supper was in chaos and disorder, Paul writes to sort it out. And he sees it being held within the gathered local church setting. Is when they came together as a church to remember Christ and to experience their oneness with their fellow Christians, which we've already looked at. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 10, 20 and 22, it says this. Derek will read it to you. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. So we see there that they're coming together as a church, and they're meant to pay attention to each other, the community aspect. They're not able to just come and eat the supper and not care about what's going to happen to their fellow believers. They're to come together as a church and to act together as a church as they remember the Lord's Supper. John, just one final question and it's this. Who should take the Lord's Supper? Is it open to any and, and everyone or does the Bible make a restriction on who is eligible to eat the bread and drink the wine? In the New Testament, it was for believers who were following their Lord Jesus and in fellowship with their fellow believers. They had to be part of the Christian group. And to be part of the Christian group, when at Pentecost, Peter was asked what they were to do in order to be saved, they were told to repent and be baptised. And they were baptised. And then after this, they continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. We've read this many times in Acts chapter 2. 
So the people who come to the Lord's Supper are Christians who have repented and believed and been baptised and are serving together with their fellow Christians in a local congregation. And so together with their fellow Christians, they remember what the Lord's death has done for them. Now, if you want to read that passage that I've just referred to, it's Acts 2, verses 38 to 42. Perhaps one final thing on who should come. In the church at Corinth, there was disorder at the Lord's Supper. In telling them how to order the Lord's Supper, he tells each one of them to examine themselves and warns them of the consequences of coming carelessly and unthinkingly to the Lord's Supper. Derek, could you read for us those verses in 1 Corinthians 11, 27-34? Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry... He should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. So to come carelessly is not to see one's responsibilities to the Lord and to the local Christian body, which you're a part of when you come. That's what it means to come in an unworthy manner. And so in order to come, you should be converted. You should be a member of a local church. You should come with a repentant and contrite heart over sin and in love and fellowship with your fellow believers. Sin and failure does not exclude you if you've turned from it in sorrow and turned to the Lord for forgiveness. Indeed, it is for such repentant sinners that the Lord's Supper is so sweet and lovely because it reminds us of the all-sufficiency of our Saviour's death on our behalf. But because of disorder in Corinth, some of them had been chastened by the Lord and some of them had died as a result, as you remember we read in that passage. So we need not to be careless when we come but to be serious-minded, to have examined ourselves. But remember this, it's a lovely thing to remember the Lord's death, so prepare for it and come in the right frame of mind and in the right way and remember what Jesus has done for you and in you and benefit from it. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ for hopeless sinners is absolutely glorious. Without him and his willingness to die on the cross for sins, there would be no hope for any of us. But now, praise his name, there is that blessed assurance that every sinner who looks to him, who trusts in him, who casts themselves on his mercy, is saved from hell itself. Every sin is pardoned, and the heart is cleansed through the precious blood of Christ our Saviour. We are delivered from the wrath to come. I think it's virtually impossible to fully comprehend what it must have cost the Lord Jesus to do this for us through that dreadful death on the cross. The humiliation he suffered, the abuse he received, the agony he endured, 
The desolation he experienced is beyond measure. The fact that he, the very Son of God, should endure this for us is as astonishing as it's essential. How much we owe him. It's no wonder that Paul's prayer for the Ephesian believers was that God would help them to grasp something of the greatness of Christ's love for us. We read in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The Lord's Supper is one of the means the Lord uses to help us understand the sheer enormity of his love for us, and it stirs the heart to humbly thank and praise him for his mercy. Well, our thanks to Dr John Hall and Derek French for taking us through the Christian Basic series. If you have any questions about it, then do contact us. The details follow in a few moments. Until next time, this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye, and may God bless you. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can send us a message via WhatsApp, the number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Or email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Until next time, goodbye.